All right. Are you guys ready to start recording? All right. All right. We get three, two, one, and let's go. All right. So, hey, everybody. Welcome to Twin Shadows Podcast, episode 44. You're joined with uh, by your normal guest. T- I'm mean, normal guest. Oh, normal okay. host. Uh oh, well, we're starting off good so far. That up. <laughs> normal host there, uh, Tom and uh, Stephen. Hey. And we have a special guest. Very special, special guest. guest. Jeff, you want to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm Jeff Ewing. I'm a writer for Forbes about movies, particular genre stuff like your horror, sci-fi, fantasy, whatnot. I've also written about them in print and. Apparently, I'm the host now. If everyone else is a guest, yes, yeah, you're definitely true. the host. You do way better than us. <laughs> you are. You, you, the show's yours, sir. Enjoy. You showed up. Enjoy, and you're doing better than us. <laughs> you can't see me saluting, but I am saluting. <laughs> I saluted as well, so I'm glad. We are all right. About so to die, salute you. Yeah. All right. So, how's everybody doing? Uh, Jeff, how about we start with you? How was your week? I mean, it was. As you already know, it, it was good except for computer problems. I'm a writer, and what better time to have a catastrophic failure in the computer you work from than in the middle of a pandemic when all the repair shops are closed down? Yes, but this is true. Other than that, exactly. <laughs> other than that, though, I'm healthy and I'm still writing. I fixed up an old laptop, so I'm I'm good. Awesome, that's good. I'm, good. I'm glad to hear. I mean, you're right. This is the best time to be productive. I mean. There's nothing else to do for a lot of people than just sit at home and right. write and create, paint, draw, do that kind of stuff. Speaking of Steven, yes. I saw you editing on Uh-oh. Twitch earlier. I was, yeah. So how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. I think I had a bit of a freak out editing. Premiere Pro can be a bit of a headache, especially when it oh, doesn't work. Yeah. And it usually doesn't work mm-hmm. as well as you would like it to. So yeah, just keeping busy, uh, keeping doing all the artwork, doing some editing writing a short story and oh yeah working on the podcast nice nice how about yourself there buddy i started as i mean i started a new job in the worst time (laughs) to start a new job in the history of starting new jobs maybe i mean i'm sure there's probably some worse days like oh world war ii started i'm working at the peace corps (laughs) like oh well that's not a good place (laughs) probably i don't know (laughs) fuck uh yeah so yeah i started a new job it was at first it was like the building was canceled and then the building was, our building is closed, but it can still go in. Cause I'm like the only one in the building. So they're like, well, you can't really get sick from yourself. It's <laughs> like, okay, you got it. <laughs> well, you got it. So I've been working. There's a lot of cleaning and organizing to do on the new, the new building I'm at. So yeah, it's been really busy. That's awesome. So not a lot of time to watch too many movies there, huh? <laughs> no, not really. So have you so seen I did anything watch... new? Well, other than Pan's uh, Pan's was well, that new, doesn't but... count. You know, you're supposed to watch that one. I didn't see anything new this week. That's actually kind of depressing. You haven't watched anything new, huh? Wow, man, they are really making you work. <laughs> Those sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> work at work. What the hell? What so, Jeff, you? Have you seen any new movies? Oh, Steven, I saw. I totally stole your thunder. I'm you sorry. did. You stole it from right <laughs> under me. You know, I can't help myself from talking. Jeff, any new movies? Uh, Yeah, uh, well, I I watched a new old movie this morning. I watched The Brain That Wouldn't Die. Oh, yeah. What is it? The TCM, Turner Classic Movies. Oh, okay. It was lovely black and white sci-fi ridiculousness. Like, 
it was just really fun. I, I like watching really old movies because they're very zen for me sometimes. Yes, it's it's very like almost filled with nostalgia of a time you didn't know type thing. Yeah, absolutely. Like it just makes me very very at peace. And when you add sci-fi ridiculousness to it, it's even better. Yeah, that's the one with the floating head or the head on the tray, right? Oh yeah. Yes. For yeah. most of it. Isn't yeah. it like a huge brain that attacks people with tentacles, or is that a different movie? Was that a hentai a I saw the other day? Oh, no. I confuse it every <laughs> now and then. You know? too much. Whoops. There is a monster in it, but I don't think it's, uh, if I remember right, it's not the brain one. Okay. It's the giant. Yeah, I thought it was the, where the brain is alive and it's all smacking people with its tentacles. With its I think that may endings. have been called brains. Oh, you think? Yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't called that. <laughs> I typed in brains movie and it, the search result was memento. Oh, well, there's, yeah, that, that movie does require <laughs> some brains. And you don't want to know what I found. <laughs> That's true. I don't, I'm scared. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, you watched the the brain movie. I can't, I already forgot the title. I'm so the, sorry. The brain that would not die. Brain that would not die. Like that. That's, that's a mouthful, man. It is. But, I do like that old, like 50s, like, 40s to 60s movies a lot of times were full sentences yeah oh like x the thing from outer space like <laughs> yeah. i love it yeah it's definitely a sign of those times yeah those are always and classes. a sign of our times is there's a pandemic uh-oh that's how is every uh, we already asked how everybody's holding up oh. what else have you guys been doing to Good keep segue. sane other than uh watching movies anything you guys anything else occupying your time i play with my dogs a lot I'm trying to take them on you know, little walks with my fiance, and I built like a, a small home gym so that I can, you know, like a the heavy bag, the bench press, that sort of random stuff to keep busy. Oh, nice! So getting ripped, you know, yeah. Get, so getting that summer bod ready the, to go. Worst film critic. That's my goal. <laughs> nice. Hey, that's pretty good. I've just been sitting in the corner crying and looking yeah, out the yeah. window at the sky, the blue that's sky as the clouds roll by. We've had some nice cloud coverage lately. It's been very nice. I was like, wow, it's like so serene, but also so terrifying at the same time. Damn clouds. It's misleading. Yes, it is. You're like, damn, this looks like like the intro to a Paramount movie. Yeah, you're like, yeah, like the world is wonderful. I can go out and hang out with my friends and no, I can't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, we have to. Dude, I mean, normally we would be, like I was telling you, we'd be doing this in a room. We'd all be drinking and having a blast. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, we've been forced to remote podcast, in case you guys didn't hear. Mm-hmm. And for until further notice, and until further notice, how's that segue, motherfucker, Steven? <laughs> yeah, everything's getting postponed right now, right? Yeah. In like, fact, or canceled. A bunch of movies have been postponed, including The, the Batman. Yeah, that was the big one that kind of shocked me. They, it was, they stopped shooting their postponed it indefinitely until the crisis is lifted or done. Yeah, but that's or, pretty, pretty much I don't even know what are we saying? Are. What are we saying when it's when it, were you saying the end? That seems kind of morbid. The end? Are like, you trying to say end, this is the end of the world? The end of Corbin 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 <laughs> Corbin <laughs> Dallas, the end of Corbin Dallas. The end of when the Corbin uh, needs this maker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We need the fifth element to get in here now. <laughs> I don't know where she's at. Has anyone checked in on Mila Jovich? She has she COVID nineteen. Oh shit! No, <laughs> she got it. She, I know I'm movie jumping, but she got it from Umbrella. She definitely did. Oh shit! 
I did see there was a weird. Did you guys see the meme that was going around that it was all connected to Umbrella Corporation? Oh yeah, because the yeah. Who symbol, right? Isn't it? Yeah, like an umbrella? The who's, yeah, yeah. And they're like, it's just umbrella. Right. Yeah, I thought that was pretty awesome. I mean, yeah, we gotta laugh at this a little bit, but yeah, um, yeah, Jeff. I mean, you work. I mean, how much is uh, this affecting kind of you and your writing of reviews of newer movies? Are you having to focus on older movies or? It's tough, yeah, yeah, because like a lot of premieres there's still some indie stuff that you can get screeners for but a lot of stuff is just being like flat out postponed and so i've been kind of booking like digital interviews and like making lists of classic films that i think that people should see okay because i'm still trying to catch up like everybody yeah i mean there's like i was thinking about it today because i think i read someone was like yeah it's hurting reviewers so much that they can't review new movies i'm like there's probably more movies than you could watch in a lifetime that exist yeah and then there's probably and then a half a lifetime are all really great movies that you need to watch like there's no shortage of movies to review so i was thinking about oh, that absolutely. one but i mean since no movies are coming out in theaters i mean the few that we did have doesn't that isn't the qualifying for oscars <laughs> so if no other movies come out in theaters does underwater win best picture underwater for best picture 2020 I loved Underwater, by the way. So getting that out of the way, I loved it a lot. So I'm kind of like there. I mean, the gentleman I hear is pretty good. I haven't seen it yet. Um, I haven't seen it. But I mean, there's what other movies really came out this year that would be Oscar contenders? I like Invisible Man. Okay, that's right. That did technically that came out like on the cliff end. Yeah, it it had like it had like one weekend maybe. Yeah, and you wrote an article Uh, about that, right, Jeff? Yeah, I did, and it, it uh conveniently it's already it was so profitable compared to what it cost to make it because it only cost i think seven million that it's doing fine it did fine still rented on vod if you haven't seen it but it's it's it just got under the wire but i the central performance was really good it was very tense yeah it was pretty good yeah definitely probably renting it sometime soon yeah it it sounds like definitely one to watch I would say it's definitely uh, worth everyone's time. If you like, if you like suspenseful movies, it's definitely more suspenseful than it is like a gore fest. All right, Jeff. So let me ask you, you said you saw underwater. Now we, we, we loved underwater very much. So who wins in a fight? Is it Kristen Stewart? Who's the, who's the lady from uh, invisible man? What's her name? Kristen. Elizabeth Moss. Elizabeth Moss. Is it Kristen Stewart or Elizabeth Moss? Who wins in this fight? Oh, wow. That is really tough. Okay. I feel like if you're going for like the first three-fourths of the movie, easily Kristen Stewart, because Elizabeth Moss is awesome, but playing defense. But then, ultimately, I would say it gets a lot tougher at the end. Still, actually, Kristen oh, Stewart, okay. I would say. Yeah, I think yeah. Kristen Stewart but has a lot I mean, end. she killed Cthulhu. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's why I think the threat level she handles. And also, she has the training, right? At least, if we're just talking, are we talking so, the actors or the characters, Stephen? Uh-huh. All of it, everything. Oh, because I think if we're talking actors, Elizabeth Moss has it all the way. <laughs> like if we're talking like oh, in okay. real in reality. Oh, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, she handled admin. Yeah, I think I think she would just break her neck. <laughs> oh. okay i think it'd just be like a one two snap she would instantly understand what had to happen 
Well, speaking so, of broken necks, uh, Stuart oh Gordon passed God. away. This week. <laughs> oh, what's that a bad segue yeah. off? Oh, fuck. God damn, buddy. That's like we're the jugular. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you were. <laughs> I'm going to have to log off. That's, that's yeah, too much. Yeah, so uh, Stuart Gordon passed away, unfortunately. Um, he made some wonderful films. And of course, he will definitely be missed. What about you guys? What are some of his films that stood out to you? I, I mean, I've seen a lot of his Lovecraft ones, a lot of his Lovecraft films. Okay. And then who doesn't? Is that what he made a lot? Because I'm not really well versed in his. Uh, what about camera, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, buddy? That one, definitely. I mean, that was a childhood favorite. I watched that on repeat mm-hmm. for a good portion of my childhood there. Uh, you know, I, I will say my childhood was also filled up with a lot of Honey, Likewise. I Blew Up the Kid. <laughs> you know, say what you will. Say, say what you will. I, giant monsters and me are great. I mean, little kid monsters. Yeah. Yeah. No. Likewise for both films, because uh, on the one hand you have giant ants terrorizing. Well, I mean, right. Okay. So they're normal sized ants, but we're really small. The protagonist really small. But then, kind of counts as monsters. And then you yeah, have a giant dude, kid, kid is way scarier than an it's ant. It's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Except that's it's a like little kid. Like we can't shoot nukes at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so in Cloverfield, that's supposed to be like a oh, really? kid monster or like a child. Yeah. And oh so technically God. it's the that's, same movie. It makes it both a But lot not better. human. But but the big movie that he did was Reanimator, right? That's like the most well known of of his yeah, movies. Yeah, for right? sure, I would say so. Uh, well, that at least he directed, right? Because he wrote I, "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids." Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, for his directed films, Reanimator is probably the most known. Mm-hmm. I'd say a personal favorite of mine is Castle I'd, Freak. I'd I have a, so, yeah. a nice little story that goes with this movie. Oh, uh, yes, please. And uh, do share. Yeah. So my longtime girlfriend uh, and I, like, that was like the first movie, one of the first movies we like watched together, like made us like a couple. <laughs> it was Castle Freak. Oh, all right. So, I mean, that movie uh, holds a special place in my heart. I got it for her for, I got the DVD and the Blu-ray for her for our 10-year anniversary. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> 10 years, huh, buddy? That, oh, that's I mean, that was, a while, huh? That was... That was the that was five years ago. That the ten most years romantic happened, film now. So. Oh my goodness! <laughs> but yeah, that Castle Freak man holds a holds a near and dear. I mean, he there's he like cuts off a woman's breast in that movie and eats it or something. But I don't oh know. wow, it, it, it hooked, line and sinkered my girl. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how you know she's a keeper. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Jeff, what were some of your favorite of uh, Sir Gorns? I know you wrote an article. I read it today. It was pretty great. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, it, it's funny because I, I love a lot of his films. As as adult me, I love Reanimator and From Beyond. are awesome. But growing up, I, I watched the Honey, I yeah. Shrunk and Blew Up the Kids a lot when I was a kid. And I didn't realize that he wrote them until oh, okay. I wrote the article. And so like, oh, turns out that I like Stuart Gordon my entire life. And that's great. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the yeah, I posted like of, posters of, of his movie. And I'm looking at that Dolls poster. I remember seeing that in the, in the rental store and just being too mm-hmm. afraid to rent it like every time. Like, and, now, mm-hmm. and now looking at it as an adult, it looks just like Michael Jackson <laughs> from South Park. 
that go look up the dolls 1987 poster everybody and tell me that doesn't look just slightly like the michael jackson from south park (laughs) oh from south park yeah i've never seen that one you've never seen that episode oh it's pretty no no no. but yeah uh yeah so yeah it's i mean rest in peace Stuart. i first (laughs) was worried that it was i mean it's i know he died of organ failure i believe so glad that he didn't get taken by the coronavirus damn coronavirus yeah unfortunately the coronavirus has started to to get a few filmmakers yeah. and, uh, a famous playwright i forget the name so well that's depressing mm-hmm. yeah every time that i see yeah, like a celebrity oh, name yeah, trending like, no, i'm like wait what and then <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's, exactly. yeah I'm you like, can't you, you can't cancel the apocalypse you can't take him if I see John Carpenter, this is the only time oh, where I would no. say if I yeah, see John Carpenter. He, was, he trending, did for like panic. a day because he announced uh, the They Live sequel. He's doing, he's, he's writing a sequel to They Live, mm-hmm. two of them actually. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah, and then they're supposed to start filming next year. And it's like, damn, that's, dude, that's awesome. pretty awesome. It's not going to, it's going to be different, different cast because, um, didn't he die? That's a great film. Rod- John Carpenter? No, Rowdy oh. Piper. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, he died. I mean, I don't think they're gonna do yeah. the digital yeah, CGI so. yeah. thing. That would be pretty. I think That'd that's still pretty long. awkward. Maybe yeah. they'll have Hulk Hogan play the role. I just want someone to fight with he, Keith it's David. Like he's super old. Like <laughs> just like beating the shit out of old Keith David. <laughs> Poor Keith David. I mean, he <laughs> still film, is does great time. and everything. I love Keith. David. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's awesome. So yeah, let's talk about our Criterion movie. All right, uh, Jeff. We told you one, to huh? watch it. Uh, uh, we have uh, we have this list that we uh-huh. found on Reddit, like the top 100 Criterion films, and we've been watching from 100 to one, and we're on 81 once a week. Cool. This week is Pan's Labyrinth, and Pan's by directed Labyrinth. by Guillermo del Toro. Well, so yeah, what do you guys think of Pan's? Well, Jeff, if you want to start start it off, by all means. Thank you so much. I love it. I, Guillermo de, Guillermo de Toro is one of my favorite working filmmakers, and Pan's Labyrinth is kind of close, but I yeah. would say that it's my favorite of his films. Um, I love his use of the supernatural and the use of metaphor in the film. Um, aesthetically, it's beautiful. It's so detailed and packed with meaning. I would say that... So, fun fact about me is my favorite subgenre of any type of film even though I love lots of stuff, oh, yeah. is uh, I, I'm addicted to monster films. And so I'm already predisposed to like everything he does. But I, I, I think it's just a really beautiful and poignant, like <laughs> anti-fascist, like monster meditation. Yeah, it's actually, on uh, so uh, that aspect of the story really like cool. really is, it still resonates so strongly today. Like, I mean, it probably hopefully doesn't resonate forever, but right now it just, I was like, damn, you know what? <laughs> These are just mm-hmm. a bunch of Trumpers, God damn it. So, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, they're not that. Kind of, they're, kind I don't of. think they're that bad. Trumpers are pretty goddamn awful. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. I, just like I voted for Trump. You son of a bitch. Just <laughs> <laughs> like Trump, step away. <laughs> hey, hey, literally, literally never. You take that back. You got a pal. That's a good day. <laughs> so, but, yeah. let me ask you guys: Do you think this is Del Toro's best movie? Yeah, for sure. I think so. So far, I think that something about the fairy tale aspect of it that just feels mm-hmm. just so wholly original. I mean, like the yeah. uh, the overall 
aspects of like you know the quest through like giving like three the retrieve three things like we that's not a super original but like the way it's executed and just the visuals and the the way that 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 side of the story is driven because the film's really kind of like two movies oh yeah it's you know this uh period war film and a fairy tale all like wrapped up in one and mixed together beautifully it's like just just great man so what about you steven do you think it's his best uh well from what i've seen yeah i would definitely say it probably is his best but it did make me really want to see um what is it shape of water yeah shape of water and just kind of rewatch that and just see if uh-huh. how much he has matured as a filmmaker but this definitely was is uh-huh. one of his best movies and i mean it it was so huge right and it got snubbed at the oscars didn't it and it kind of People yep. notice that, right? And in fact, some people say, oh, well, he's getting Shape of Water because of Pan's Labyrinth getting snuck. Like, I feel like, but, uh, oh, sorry. No, 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 please go ahead. I was going to say, I, I think that, so Shape of Water, I think, is Oscar worthy. I think it's a really, really solid film and very emotional oh, yeah, without and beautiful. A doubt. But I definitely would, say, would agree that, that Pan's Labyrinth is probably his, like, his best, most immersive film. Yeah, like every single aspect of it has so much meaning. He really masters the magical realist tone, and it's reflected in the aesthetics of the film. But I, I think that it was definitely competing for the Oscars in an earlier time, where now people realize, like, no, obviously now people are more ready for for, for like non English language films to yeah, win true. major Oscars, and so. You know, in the last few years, people have been kind of the Academy has been making up for it. Yeah. yeah. And, and I and I was going to say also the fact that, you know, Pan's Labyrinth was just it left such a imprint on people that it still reverberates to today where that could even be a statement of uh, alongside Shape of Water. Right. That that would be in the same conversation still. But, yeah, I really love the film. It felt like basically Del Toro took everything he loves especially in fantasy and just kind of put it into a film, right? You really mm-hmm. get that sense of just all these genres that he really loves, movies, story, uh, book-wise, and he just put it into this film and he just perfected it. Oh, absolutely. You know, this could, I mean, I almost feel like this could be, it's like a, all his films, you can just see the progression of his art, right? Because then you go into Hellboy. Uh, I was thinking a lot about the second Hellboy film, The Golden Army. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's just like those styles, like it almost feels like they could be a spiritual sequel, the Hellboy films too. Uh, at least oh, yeah, the second one. The second one left, especially right? the second one, right? Like it's almost like a spiritual sequel in a way where it's like it's not obviously it's not a direct sequel, but it's it's like and oh, you can just yeah. see him progress and like and then it's like and uh, the only f- tiny fault I would say I have with Pan's Labyrinth, other than it being like perfect movie, is some of the CGI stuff is a little oh, dated. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was CGI, distracting. Some of the CGI blood stuff kind of was like I was like, oh. And also like the I fairies it, when they're close don't look totally yeah. up to you, today's CGI standards. Yeah, CGI is just so good now. I mean, yeah. it's probably in ten years will probably be like CGI. I mean, that end game. What the hell was that? It was garbage. Like, like we're <laughs> like we're it, the CGI is just probably gonna, we're getting more like, better. We can make better right. purple men than that. That's not a real purple man. <laughs> right, exactly. We could f- make a purple man that we can feel now. Like, <laughs> just we just clone a real purple man. Damn it. Yeah. yeah. You're just... But I, I think one of the reasons why the CGI even stands out more is because the practicals. I mean, 
this movie's what 15 years old about uh-huh. and those practicals still stand out as top notch and uh-huh. and i think it really kind of just showcases the cgi when you notice it right because the practicals are i mean I, that's one of the big things that i think that drew me to pan's labyrinth and i think a lot of other people was the art design and the special effects they had right yeah i mean the world that he crafts and builds is i mean it's it's the like dark fairy tale at its best, right? Like I, I, I can't really think of a better example on film. Like maybe some of the the was it Frank Oz stuff, like Labyrinth, something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I de- you definitely get that Labyrinth kind of vibe, which makes me uh, wonder where do you guys think this movie fits in, right? Because it does have like a young protagonist and it has this childhood fairy tale aspect, but it's definitely not a movie for kids, right? So where where would this movie really fit in because is it rated r i believe it i think so yeah it feels rated r oh it's got to be rated r i just remembered the violence <laughs> of course of yeah. course it's rated yeah. r. it feels very rated r <laughs> you guys remember when he you guys remember when he smashes like dude's face in like yeah and the guy still and didn't like, die after that he gets his face slashed and he looks like the joker for yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. and he's as he sews up his own face uh-huh. Yeah, so so where do you guys think this fits in? Like, is it for... Do you ever show your kid this kind of movie? Because it feels like a movie maybe you would want to show... I showed my kid this movie tonight. Uh-oh, uh-oh. I feel like you should. I feel like at a certain age, because it deals with things that are politically very real and thematically very important, you know, I, I feel like you should show your kid things like Pan's Labyrinth and when they're older, like Schindler's List, that highlight... Yeah. The fact that horrors can happen. I mean, yeah. You know, you, you can't. It, it does a good job of being like, hey, here's this presentable fantasy world that engages you, but then also it's also kind of a paralleled metaphor for real life horrors that you should be wary of. And I, I feel yeah. like if we don't show our kids that sort of thing, then people are going to grow up. You know, like that there was a, a couple years ago an article about how many people in generation x or or like don't get essential things about the holocaust and world war ii and i think that that's that's kind of uh, the fault of how they were raised oh yeah i mean absolutely right yeah without a doubt completely disconnected from their pasts right right yeah yeah so i was just wondering about that with this movie because i was watching i was like man as a kid i think i would love this movie but then at the same time, I was like, as a kid, I don't know if I should be watching this movie. Now, I did grow up to Terminator and Predator, so uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm a little fucked up in the head. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but honestly, just watching this movie and just seeing the expertise that Del Toro displayed, I really love, I like Del Toro. He just seems like a really awesome person. Uh-huh. It's nice to just see him succeeding in his film. So it kind of had that little extra specialness for me yeah. to see that. Also, the casting, like you mentioned the casting, the casting in this is fantastic. The star, all the actors are just amazing. Even the, the captain guy, man, he is just so awesome. Like, he, like uh, that character is terrifying. Like, I, he's menacing. Yes. Oh, man, he's very scary. Yeah, that villain. I mean, he felt like just such a... And this is why it made me feel like Del Toro was just kind of going after all the things he loved because that villain just felt like such a classic villain in any other movie, right? Like he uh-huh. could be the villain in a Bond movie that you would hate. Oh, he yeah, could definitely be a villain in a Bond Indiana movie. Jones movies. Yeah, yeah. He could be in just so many different movies. It doesn't have to just be this. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just uh, a lot of nostalgia in that room. 
Well, and one thing that's interesting, too, about Del Toro's films is that from the get-go, he would have, like, like, child protagonists. Like, in Kronos, there's a young female protagonist that is you know, maybe not the central character of the story, but definitely a very important and uh, part of it with a lot of agency. And so that was something that he was always very comfortable with. And so it's nice that it comes into play in Pad's Labyrinth so, so centrally. Oh yeah, without a doubt, yeah. Yeah, and I always think of The Orphanage, even though I know he didn't direct it, he produced it. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I kind of hearkened back to that, to that movie also. It always has for me. So what did you guys think about the fact that you know, there was this parallel contrast of reality and fantasy. How did you feel about that within the story? I think that's the strongest aspect of the story uh, for me personally, because it's blended so well and the they bounce off each other so much, like getting the key. I mean, everything, ha- you know, ha- pays off in reality, like all the fantasy stuff pays mm-hmm. off in reality and vice mm-hmm. versa. And I think that's it's just, and that's what makes the story so unique. It's not because it's blending two genres that will go together so well now that we've seen it, but you probably would be like, you want to make a fairy tale war movie. Like what? You wouldn't what? think of putting those together, right? <laughs> Ferngully? Like go away. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like I can't really think of another movie that has that kind of, that, there aren't, I mean, there aren't that many. I mean, there might be some, yeah. Cause like, especially like hardcore fairy tale, right? Like this is very mm-hmm. much a fairy tale. There's a, she's reading her instructions from a book. Like it's, very much yeah along those lines um, i would say that like the closest analogy like came afterwards and was inspired by it which would be like tigers are not afraid as a horror film about oh, the drug war mm-hmm. um, yeah oh i love tigers are not afraid went and saw so that live so q a with uh uh isa lopez uh-huh. she was yeah she was there doing the q a yeah it's, it's a brilliant film and it definitely like captures that sort of like magical metaphorical narrative to real world terrors that honestly the the number of films on that list is very few yeah two <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like i mean there's probably a movie i'm not thinking of but i'm really racking my brain that like, well i would say there's more than that because it is kind of a classical reference like never-ending story right because it, it basically hi- highlights this uh, stark reality that's traumatizing and terrible for these kids and then they kind of escape into the fantasy world right uh-huh. yeah yeah but it's not through so, normally so through it holds war. that no no i mean definitely del toro did it in his own way and he put his spin on it that's why it feels so r- fresh watching this right well it's interesting yeah. because uh a, like a lot of big picture themes have like genre filmmaking has, has been telling these big stories and had a lot of like metaphorical value for a long time. Yeah. A thing that I did before I've, I've written uh, for Forbes is I, I wrote a lot of chapters and such in pop culture philosophy works uh, like books. Okay. And yeah. uh, so I, I, I wrote chapters in like Frankenstein philosophy, Jurassic Park and philosophy uh, recently, I edited Alien Philosophy and Stranger yeah. Things Philosophy. And oh. the reason why I mention that is because, like, the I, I what I would do is I would always try and take the film's sort of more supernatural elements and analyze them for the metaphor that I felt that they are. And so, like, you'll have 
like the like Frankenstein and Jurassic Park talking about like the ethics of science and humankind creating things we can't control, which is has been a prominent theme in like fifties monster movies like them and all these other like like attack of the 50 foot woman and and all these atomic horror films right of the 50s and the early 60s and so like those sorts of things doing big picture issues would change topically based off of what the big horror of the day was if it was nuclear power or if it was the war if it was all these other things communism capitalism whatever but but it was definitely like using these supernatural elements as metaphors is a big genre convention that people don't often think about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, damn, that, that was wrapped up really nicely, Jeff. Thank you. So, so let me ask you guys this. Was it all in her head? Yes. You think so? I'm taking the battle for Algiers approach. Just <laughs> <laughs> okay. want to be okay. anywhere but here, man. <laughs> okay. So, so why yes? Why yes? Yeah. I mean, one, I don't. One, I don't think it matters. So I will say that before oh, I go nihilist. Too, before I go before nihilist. I go too crazy, I think your interpretation is your interpretation. If you believe it's real, it's real. But I am taking it more from, as Stephen said, the nihilist stark point of view of that this is a little girl's escape that's how your brain will protect you in incredibly tragic horrible situations okay yeah and that's kind of how i take it as the story is like her this is how she's sheltering herself from the trauma sure and then she feels guilt about like a lot of things and that bleeds through with the story and it's very much i mean she tells the story to her brother like she she already has the stories in her head mm-hmm. and then it's like it just fed through like all these other informations. But honestly, I think it's probably a way happier ending if you don't think this. It's probably way less tragic. And I think that may be uh, not an intention, right? Because it's, yeah. I don't know, but maybe it is like hope, sign of hope. I don't know. <laughs> Coronavirus. Well, <laughs> well, what about the uh, Mantra? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What about the Mandrake route? Yeah, I think that's... Because he throws it in the fire and it starts screaming, doesn't it? Uh-huh. Like, even for yeah, the uh, like screams and screams and contracts and and withers. Yeah, for the captain or whatever yeah. he was, the general. I mean, maybe I mean, that so it was just for that show that it was. Maybe it was releasing some gases. I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Stephen? Well, I think it's kind of like Inception in the sense that it doesn't really matter if it was real or not, and it was real to her, and it gave uh-huh. her the solace that she needed. And spoilers, everybody. They show you the last the breath. Yeah, I know, but you know, I don't know. <laughs> Shit. I don't know. <laughs> but just the fact that, you know, as she is losing her life, there is still this hope and this happiness that she's going towards. And I think that's what matters most, more than anything. Ever the optimist, buddy. <laughs> you always got to look at the positive, buddy. <laughs> so for me, I feel like I'll take the counterpoint uh, and say that it was real. The, the met, more metaphysical happenings. Uh-huh. In part because it's Del Toro and because he puts active su- supernatural things in his films. Not That's like, nice, yeah. oh, a character's going crazy and it's Black Swan and she's probably not really turning to Swan. She's going mad. Like, that's not really yeah. his style. His style is like, no, there's monsters. No, there's monsters <laughs> in the film. And so... Yeah. I mean, that's true, but I also he's feel like... He's definitely more literal. 
I feel like though that it serves the intent of the story a little more if it's not real. You just like being negative. Well, so I, but on top of that though, I, I do feel like there's elements where, um, where it suggests things beyond the real. Fun fact, I, I always prefer to, to personally predict a supernatural interpretation if I have a choice. But okay. I still think that, um, you know, like there, there's metaphors like the flower blooming on the, the tree, at the, tree at the end. Yeah. And there's elements where like Ophelia escapes through this dead end of a labyrinth that wouldn't be possible if it were entirely real. Oh, Things okay. that kind of like add that extra element where I think on balance, even though it's kind of neutral in how it's told, it's probably the weird stuff's real. Well, it certainly feels more fun if it's all real, right? It is. It's I always mean, that's more just, fun That if just it's creates real. a more fun story. So let me ask you guys this. Uh, what's your opinion on this? Because they have the, um, what is that creature that helps her? Is it a satyr? What the The fawn? The fawn. Yeah. Now, the, the fawn comes off very villainous, hey. right? Hey. Hey. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so what do you think? The older, was... the older listeners will get that. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> so what do you think was the intention behind that, portraying this fawn as a, I don't know, kind of a villainous character? Was it just kind of to be a red herring or or what do you think? I It's interesting because I think it's all made up in her head. And it's, it's uh, so. But why wouldn't the fawn then be nice? <laughs> because it's it's she's like it's like you're like a realistic kind of hallucination. And why would it be so terrifying? Because, dude, she's reading all those scary books, bro. <laughs> scary books scary dreams <laughs> i don't want no scary as fawns showing that's what happens when you get saying? into that's what happens when you get into wicca buddy <laughs> oh gosh he was a wiccan <laughs> oh now it makes sense i never New knew interpretation folks <laughs> <laughs> no I, I think that part of the reason why it might be kind of because it's not completely scary but it's creepy you know like yes. it's kind of untrustworthy, but it's not necessarily overtly terrible. And yeah. that would kind of make sense for a little girl who's going through a lot and also experiencing supernatural stuff for the first time. True. And also Mercedes mm. warns her of the fawns. She said, you know, uh, my, my mother told me to be careful around them, planting the seed of her subconscious making it more of like an antagonist. And you make an interesting point because you're saying a little child and the fawn is an adult. So maybe kind of a child's fear of adults. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely like a more experienced, larger oddity sort of thing. It's not like she'd experienced like a, uh, a childlike entity. It's, it's an experienced supernatural thing she's never encountered before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So what would you guys give this movie out of 10? 10. <laughs> That's pretty easy. This movie, then there's not like, it's like we were saying earlier, there's not a lot of movies like this and it's, it's just executed so brilliantly. Mm-hmm. I mean, down to the guy constantly looking at his watch when he goes into battle because mm-hmm. he wants to leave his watch for his son. Like he, his dad left it for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just a lot of these little awesome things you can pick up on. Yeah, it's a perfectly tight movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The music, oh my god, the soundtrack. Did it's we talk beautiful. about the sound? Did we talk about the soundtrack yet? God damn, it's so great. The lullaby is just so catchy and amazing. It's yeah, I mean, and, and and sad and complicated. It's lovely. 
So Jeff, what about you? What do you what do you rank this? On a rewatch, I would say I'd give it a ten. Oh, nice. Because, yeah. So or- originally, what was it for you then? Originally, it was about a nine for me. Like I loved it, okay. but in my memory, it, uh, I don't know. There was like a little bit short of perfection, but when I rewatched it, like the attention to detail came forward. Um, I love the otherworldliness of, of the details, even down to how everything moves, like how the fawn moves a little choppy, you know, things that just add to that element of otherworldliness. It's, it's, I, th- I think it's a 10 for me ultimately because Del Toro's command of like tone and atmosphere is perfect in this film. Yes. Ab- oh yes, absolutely. He, uh-huh. he's directing the shit out of this movie. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, everything is just is just the way characters move. Everything is just spot on. Great, 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 great. great. Definitely. So, Stephen, you're 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 the remainder, sir. Well, you know, since everyone's been, I know you're going to give it a nine point nine. You son of a bitch! You're going to do the same thing you did last week. (laughs) No, actually, one point lower than me. Actually, it might be a little surprising. I feel like I should say an eight. But I think uh, a 7.5. Get off the show, you son of a bitch. <laughs> As the new host, I'd say that's unacceptable. <laughs> we're seven and Jeff. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You goddamn I mean, contrarian. I, I feel like it should be an eight because it is so intelligently well made. Um, and there's a lot of thought and heart behind it. But yeah, man, I think uh, for me, a 7.5. I think it's a movie that gets better on every watch. You seem to watch it more. <laughs> it gets, That's possible. That's possible. It's it 0.5 points every time you watch it. I tell you. <laughs> I tell you. Just watch it until it's a 10, kid. That happens. Yeah, that does. I mean, I remember it well. I don't know where I was going with that. I was going to try to think of a movie, but I failed. 